listening to the Transformations with Jane podcast. I'm your host, Jane Nakata, a New Zealander living her best life in Fukushima, Japan. I'm a podcast consultant and the creator of Pod Launch with Jane, a system that helps you create your dream podcast without all the drama and hassle, leaving you more free time to do the things you love to do. This show is for people who want to hear stories of women who are doing amazing things here in Japan and across the world. You'll find loads of inspiration for how you can live your best life wherever you are. I'm glad you're here. Let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Transformations with Jane podcast. I'm your host, Jane Nakata, a podcast consultant here in Fukushima Prefecture, Japan. Well, 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 this is the first episode back from summer. I hope you've had a nice summer or winter or whatever season it is, wherever you are listening in the world. Here in Japan, the summer vacation is from around late July to sort of late August for kids in school. That does not mean that parents actually get much time off during that time, apart from the Obon holiday, which is about one week in the middle of August. And so this year, my family did not go anywhere. We we stayed in Japan. Normally, we would head to New Zealand to spend time with my mother and my sister and uh, my brother-in-law in Westport in New Zealand. But uh, actually, we would have taken off. I'm actually recording this on the 19th of July. So summer vacation hasn't even happened yet. And we can't go to New Zealand because of the COVID situation. But just two days ago, the town of Westport, where my mother and sister and brother-in-law live, was damaged by floodwaters, this horrendous flood that uh, damaged the town. And I was just thinking, oh, my goodness, this is absolutely awful this has happened and we would have been either trying to get there in the middle of this huge storm that roared through there or already there in the midst of this so thankfully we are not there creating more havoc <laughs> what's going on um i know that they're in the they're probably still cleaning up when you're listening to this live so for some reason covid kept us safe kept us safe in japan for now so yes, I am recording this episode on Monday, the 19th of July, and I've Brittany and I, who Brittany, who's my guest coming on the show today, have just finished recording, and I like to record my intro section after I've already recorded the actual podcast intro uh, interview, so that I know what to tell you is going to happen in the podcast. So today, my special guest is Brittany Arthur. She is the host of the Business Karaoke podcast. And I said karaoke very nicely, but it's uh, the Japanese way of pronouncing karaoke. So she has been podcasting for a year now. And her podcast is amazing. She does it in Japanese sometimes or in English as well. So if you'd love to hear examples of foreigners speaking Japanese, well, then this is a great podcast for you to listen to. She's one of the co-founders of Design Thinking Japan, and they help organizations to find more innovative ways to solve problems in their organization, whatever that might be. And today, Brittany gave us so much gold about how we can bring this design thinking that she uses in the corporate world into your private world as well, into your daily life, into your home life, 
into maybe thinking about your career or where you want what you want to do next, given that COVID has changed a lot of things for us. So if you're someone who is thinking, oh, I'd really like to change something in my life and no, it's not this, but I don't know what it is, then this is definitely the episode for you. Also, if you're someone who maybe has something going on in your home life that you're not happy with, and actually I give you an example of something that happened last weekend uh, for my family, then definitely have a listen. She has some really great ideas about how you can work through this with your, your partner or your family members or your children, whoever it is that you are working with on an issue. So without further ado, let's get on with the show. Hi, Brittany. Welcome to the Transformations with Jane podcast. It's great to have you on the show today. Jane, hello. Hello, everyone listening. I couldn't be more excited to be here. I'm such a fan of the show. Oh, thank you so much. And so Brittany is the host of her own podcast, the Business Karaoke Podcast or Karaoke for those of you who don't speak Japanese. I said that to someone this morning. I said, I'm interviewing Brittany from Business Karaoke and she laughed at me because she was from New Zealand. And I was like, oh, sorry. Yes, I mean, karaoke. Anyway, <laughs> it's so fun to have you on the show today. It's great to have a fellow podcaster come on. So for those listeners who don't know you, please introduce yourself and tell us a little about bit about who you are and what you do. Oh, Jane, thank you so much. And hello again to everybody. A little bit about me. My name is Brittany. I can tell you everything from the fact that I'm the oldest of four children, born and raised in Australia, but I've always had this very strange affiliation that my secondary birthplace is Japan. I just felt from a very early age that that is kind of not only my personal playground, but also my professional playground. So kind of everything in my life for a very long time kind of geared towards that and then went to university studied business and japanese and then everything was going perfect you know the whole life that i'd planned was going perfect but then in 2011 near exactly where you uh, live jane uh in fukushima there was the uh the tsunami and exactly at that time i had been given a scholarship from the Ruru foundation to continue my studies in japan they said we don't know what's going on in Japan, think of something else. And that for me was like, I thought my life was over, right? You can imagine mm. like at 21 years old, everything, you know, I'd been planning everything perfectly. And then one person says, you know, change. And I thought, what are you, what, what do you mean? Like, what am I even supposed to do? And then after, as it sometimes happens, after a, a, a consultation at somebody's kitchen table, at a Rotarian's uh, kitchen table, he said to me, you know what, Brittany, Japan is always going to be there and you know that that's kind of your place to be. So why don't you go and do something else? Uh, which was so interesting because it was at that time that I was just kind of at the crossroads of having studied business in Japanese, uh, you know, having a university education, starting to get in the corporate world. And I also kind of recognized that what I had studied for versus what I was actually doing on a day-to-day -day basis was really quite was quite different. There was a little bit of an expectation gap. I kind of wanted to see so much more of the human side in the business transactions. I wanted to see workshops go well. I wanted to see if they weren't going well, I wanted to understand why that was happening as well. And it was exactly at that point that I started thinking that there's got to be a better way. There has to be a better way to manage or navigate global business than just kind of speaking the language uh, and kind of trying to read the room. There has to be a better way. And exactly at that time in 2011, I came across, um, which was, of, of course, as we just spoke about, in exactly at the same time as the as the 
as the tsunami, I came across this thing called design thinking. And design thinking for me was really that key that kind of brought everything together and really made everything make sense. So we'll talk a little bit about design thinking later. And then at what I went to Germany for a year to study design thinking, what turned what was supposed to be one year turned into eight years. And oh as God. I was studying design, wow. I know as I was Exactly. As I was studying design thinking, I always wanted to bring it back to Japan. I thought Japan is so a market built for this methodology based on empathy for people, based on multidisciplinary skills, based on group work. And I thought this is so Japan. Um, but as we know from so many people also listening to this podcast, that what we when it comes to our time zones in Japan, how long we think something is going to take, add about four years to whatever you think it's going to take, and that's how long it does take. I was kind of thinking exactly after finishing up with design thinking that I'd be able to bring it back to Japan, but it wasn't until really 2017 that we had our first experience in bringing design thinking back to Japan. And basically since 2017, that's kind of when Design Thinking Japan came into life, which is an which is an organization that I co-founded, where we lead Japanese organizations through innovation and transformations, also like you, Jane, in their business aspirations. We started recognizing that as we were leading uh, these workshops, we recognized that the conversations that we were having were actually very different to the conversations that the media said we were that kind of people were talking about in Japan we recognized that in Japan that there were in there were people who wanted to change there were people who were passionate about innovation it was just it just wasn't really the story that that we were hearing so we thought this is a this is the time that we have to start modernizing the conversation around doing business in and with Japan and that's how business karaoke came into life so that's a little bit about me Anything that's regarding Japan, design thinking, or human-centered design, or just really giving people the tools for innovation, uh, pretty much you'll find me either uh, involved in that conversation or certainly listening to that conversation, Jane. Wow. So for anyone who's just coming across you for the first time, they're probably thinking, what on earth is that? You know, <laughs> What is all of that? So what does a workshop with you look like? What kind of things do you do? That's a great question. A workshop uh, with 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 me with Design Thinking Japan looks like the problem that you have at hand. So for some organizations, we're looking at innovation on a really large scale. They're looking at innovation in terms of they, for example, you're looking at an organization that's 100 plus years old in Japan. They have an incredibly established network of assets. Maybe those assets are uh, people, maybe it's information, maybe it's data, maybe it's railways, maybe it's a certain material. And they're thinking, okay, it's 2021. We have to think how might we reuse what we already have. So this is one kind of client where we help them create or build new business. Whereas the other client is just looking at us saying, how can we do things better? For example, maybe that you might have an organization that is currently underperforming or they want to increase the creativity uh, skill set in, in their people. And that's where we go into an organization and we help them, where we help kind of more in that gradual and that kind of gradual innovation. A workshop these days, Jane, unfortunately, is all online. I, as much as I, I love face-to-face -face workshops, but remote work has actually been really great. The remote workshops that have actually been picked up by our clients much 
better than I had ever initially anticipated. And so our workshops can look anything from like one day to a week, but even something as quick as 90 minutes, we can sit down and kind of do a problem framing session where we all come together uh, and people from different parts of the organization kind of share their perspective. And together we come up with what the key issues are. And then at a later date can then go into how we might then solve them. So that's, that's what it looks like. And hopefully that people do have a lot of fun along the way, Jane. Mm, Yeah. So Tell us where you're actually coming to from at the moment. You're not in Japan now, are you? Oh, my gosh, Jane, that is right. So as uh, with so many other people on the planet, COVID, there's this thing called COVID, Jane. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, I heard about a little thing called COVID. (laughs) But it really did uh, really throw a bit of a spanner in the works. And I have to kind of remember to not only use um, Antipodean analogies when I'm speaking to you, Jane, from from New, mm-hmm. from New Zealand and I'm big Australian. I have to remember that other people um, are listening to this as well. So I'll try to, to avoid words like spanner in the works, but did uh, certainly cause some, some issues. At the time, my fiance and I, uh, my fiance or my husband now, but the fiance at the time is Mexican. And we were in Mexico just before COVID because he was uh, running a, a project over here. And at, exactly at that time, we were in the middle of, tr- of changing our visas. And so from that time, we then received our new certificate of eligibility. But just at that time, Japan r- released or announced their uh, lockdown. And so basically, because we were then at that time considered new visas, we since basically that time haven't been able to enter Japan, which means that all of the work that we do, even though it probably wouldn't have made such a difference because everything is remote now anyway, all of our workshops are remote. The only real difference is, is that sometimes I have to wake up at three o'clock in the morning or stay up till three o'clock in the morning and and lead workshops so that's that's that mm, yeah that's a sh- the short story right I mean there's oh, so yeah. much emotion <laughs> and drama sort of mixed in behind you that you haven't mentioned and having sort of gone through this will we be allowed to enter Japan won't we along with you over this last year and a half yeah I feel your your pain with yours being stuck somewhere well not stuck I mean I'm sure it's fairly nice where you are right in Mexico right <laughs> sunny beaches that sort of thing surely right yeah no that you know that's exactly right that's exactly right there is a lot to be grateful for uh, but th- as you mentioned, there is um, when these kind of uh, really left balls, really, really kind of, you know, out of left field challenges do kind of knock you down. I kind of think about it as some days I'm good, some days I'm less good, some days I'm really good, other days I'm less than really good. All in all, you know, I'm I'm feeling okay. And at the end of the day, being somewhere where your heart for and in this case my heart you know of course we're very happy to be here but i've i've always felt for some strange reason that you know japan is supposed to i'm supposed to be there and being away from japan really did give me a moment to stop and think is that really where i want to be because in 2019 before we came back to mexico just for a holiday which turned into now we're almost a year and a half in terms of covid what i we we were on jane it was like on a treadmill we were training 120 people a month six workshops a month just it was just like pumping people through the pipeline like i barely had a second to think about anything else 
And so now actually being away from Japan and having a moment or having uh, that opportunity to reflect, get off the treadmill and reflect and think, is this really still where I want to be has actually been really good uh, because the answer has been more yes than ever. Mm. It's amazing some of the insight that we have gathered from this ridiculous situation that we find ourselves in with COVID, right? You would never have had a chance to have that realization had you been still in Japan doing what you were doing, pumping all these people through your pipeline, right? Oh my goodness. Yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. Um, Having, and because I'm not someone who would take a break. You know, there are some people that are like, oh, you know, it's too much. I need to take a break. That's never been me. I've always just kept going. And so if I didn't have that kind of external break be pulled, I promise you, Jane, I'd still be doing the exact same thing. And because I would be doing the exact same thing, I wouldn't have grown uh, the business and, for example, even the podcast to what we have now uh, because I would have just been doing the same thing. So as you said, the insight from this uh, unexpected situation, you know, of course, without, you know, still being empathetic, understanding that it's been a tough time for many people. But each person really does have to look in the mirror and say, okay, what can I personally take away from this? And for me, that's certainly been a takeaway. Mm, yeah, I think so. Like how you how you decide to approach what you can control is everything in these situations. And yeah, just kudos to you as one of my good friends, Catherine O'Connell says <laughs> in her podcast, Lawyer On Ear, kudos to you for finding that and for, for just stopping for a second and, and giving yourself a chance to, to figure that out. And I know a lot of people are in this sort of situation that you've mentioned. They want to get into Japan. They're waiting. They're sitting there with their certificate of eligibility, ready to enter. And a lot of other people are sort of getting in ahead of them because this is Mm. we're we're talking it's just before the olympics and i know that's hard to sit and watch as well but for those people who are thinking about well what am i going to do next i was wondering if you could share with us some of your expertise and this design thinking that you've been using in the corporate world for our daily lives like how can we bring this uh this knowledge the skill that you have to mm-hmm. the listeners daily lives is there something that they can think about or do perhaps that is such a great question jane often people connect design thinking because it's so synonymous with innovation and consultancies and things like that we often kind of um, pigeonhole it to be kind of like a corporate tool but design thinking is is centered in human-centered design. And what that means is, is that we think and design for people, for humans. And if you are a human dealing with humans, then design thinking is certainly something that might be might be an effective tool for you. And I, you know, whether it's your your spouse, your significant other, or or your children, there's a couple of things that I would personally kind of keep in mind that might be helpful. The first thing is to keep your user in mind. So what that means is we have to think about the person that we are designing for. So for example, if you are helping a seven-year-old with math, we have to think about what does it mean to be seven and what does it mean to to learn math and what might this seven-year-old need to learn math so for example if you're helping them learn their times tables rather than just kind of have them sit in front of a times table sheet we'll maybe do something that might make the if we define the problem as it's kind of boring because you just have to sit there in front of your times tables you know maybe we can gamify it so for example you know create cards for each times table and then create like a like a traffic light system for them 
and have like a big red, uh, yellow and green circle in front of them on their desk and so they can gamify it a little bit. So that's one thing that we really want to make sure that we've got that person in mind. And if it's your significant other, think about who they are as a person. Are they a talker or are they not a talker? And so you know, if they're not a talker and you want to have this like two hour long kind of, you know, really deep and meaningful, maybe that's like the worst possible thing you can do to get your point across because that's not who they are. Try to think of a way that might be better for your message, a better or a better vehicle for your message for that person who you're trying to talk to, whether it's a spouse, whether it's a friend, or even whether it's your child. So that's the first thing we need. We always want to think user centric. Who are, who's the person in front of us? Uh, the second thing is, is that we want to define the problem before we define the solution. This is actually really key. Uh, certainly key when it comes to anything that we do in the corporate world, but also really quite key in your personal life. So imagine that you're in a, you're having a conversation with, with somebody important to you. And they, and you know, for example, maybe you're, you're feeling quite stressed and they're, and you know, and then they, they might, you know, say something to you like, why don't you go on a holiday? And you're looking at them sideways thinking, do you have any, that is the last thing I should do right now is go on a holiday. I have absolutely no time to go on a holiday. And if anything, I'd be, if I went on this holiday, I'd only just be super stressed, right? So what we want to do is dig deeper into what's going on in the problem. So maybe instead of just throwing ideas at someone saying, you know, go on a holiday, maybe you want to sit down and we'll say, Jane, what, what's going on? Like, what's, what, what, what do you feel? And then as we start talking, maybe it just sounds like that you need help cleaning your house. And maybe we might organize a cleaner to come by twice a week or something. And that's what you need, not a bloody holiday, for example. Yeah. It's about digging deeper. And this is also really helpful when it comes, when it, with your spouse or, you know, with your kids really kind of digging deep and and wondering what is it? Um, Why, you know, if your child is saying they don't don't want to go to school, for example, this is no longer relevant because, you know, hashtag COVID, but you know, what is it? Is, are they, were they having problems with homework and they were, you know, and they weren't able to talk to you about it. And that's why they said they don't want to go to school or something, you know? So we want to take some time to understand the problem. Often we say, when we think about solutions, we have to be creative uh, in our in our solutions. But I I heard that not only does the solution space require or or need our creativity, but the problem space equally deserves our creativity. So the second part of design thinking, so the first being user centric, the second being understanding the problem before the solution is that we really have to spend time and investment in the problem space before we start jumping into solutions because, you know, we have limited time and resources. So we really want to make sure before we solve for something that it's the right thing. So that's one other thing. The other, the, probably the third thing that I would say that in terms of design thinking, that's super helpful when it comes to managing your personal life or even just your own conversations with yourself would be to split the conversations up into something called divergent and convergent conversations. In design thinking, we diverge in the problem space. So to to gather data around what we think the problem is. And then we converge in the problem space to de- defining what the problem 
actually is. So we move from what we, what we think the problem is to what the problem actually is. That's what we call the problem space. Then we do the same thing, diverge and then converge in the solution space where we come up with an idea. And then what we do when we converge is that we create or we, we, we design the idea in a way that it's, it's, it's applicable, you know, cause anyone can design an idea with a hundred million dollars, but if you only really have a thousand dollar budget, how can you make this happen? Right? So I would encourage you to think about the conversations in your mind in divergence and convergence, because often we'll be talking to ourselves and we're saying, maybe I should apply for that job, or maybe I should try that thing, or maybe I should ask that person out or whatever. And someone or something in your mind or externally says, you can't do that, right? So what we want to do is put that conversation later. So what we want to do is first gather data, gather options, and then define. So the reason why this is really important is because so much of what we have to do is we have to do quite quickly. As much as we'd like to spend days and weeks mulling on problems, sometimes when a problem is acute and it's in front of you, you have to be able to solve it. And the way in which that we solve things quickly is that we need speed. And if we don't have a conversation where we're diverging and then converging, the conversations get really slow because imagine that you come up with an idea and then something says no. Then you go back to the, then you go back to the drawing board and you come up with another idea and either you yourself or somebody else says, no, that's not going to work. It's like a speed hump every single time along the way. What we want to do is first come up with a whole lot of ideas and then draw a line in the sand and say, okay, I've got a good amount of ideas now. And then from, and then choose from those ideas. So that would be those three things. One, think user-centric, no matter what you're doing, even if it's an email, right? We all know those people who write emails, not for the person receiving them, but for themselves, right? Dear blah, blah, as I previously wrote in my email, you'll find like, you know, these kinds of, you know, kind of patronizing emails. You didn't write that email for me. You wrote that email for you, you know? Mm. And then the second thing is, is that we really want to define the problem before we start solutioning. And then the third thing being when we're having conversations, whether it's thinking, to, uh, having a conversation with yourself, your significant other friends or children, to really make sure that you diverge and then converge so that you don't, you know, you don't cut yourself off even before you get started. That's fantastic. Yes, I'm sitting here thinking ooh, how this relates to something that happened in my house here on the weekend, which I'd love to tell you about. So at the moment, um, my my business pod launch with Jane is going really well. I have a lot of clients, I have a lot of work, and that's great. But one day I noticed, oh, look at me. I am still the stay-at-home mum. Hmm. for my two kids which is kind of a full-time job and especially (laughs) in Japan and even though they're getting older and they can do more and more things themselves and they are gone for some of the day at school when school is on which is excellent but I still have all of these things plus now I have the equivalent of a full-time job Mm -hmm. out in the outside world as well as Mm -hmm. my internal in-house role in house, mm-hmm. <laughs> in my house role. Mm-hmm. And so I, this is not working for me anymore. What we've always done is not working for me anymore. <laughs> Funny that. So mm-hmm. I wanted to have a conversation with my husband about, you know, reassigning roles, thus, mm-hmm. you know, making, maybe he does some different things. Maybe the kids do some different things and maybe we need some help from external sources. And so on the weekend, I wrote down a list of all of the tasks that I do in my role as stay-at-home mum mm-hmm. that I actually want to do. You know, that things like fold the washing, uh, empty the dishwasher, walk the dog. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't mind walking my own dog, but I have to walk him four times a day. So maybe someone could walk him two times a day. That would be <laughs> excellent. 
what else was on there? Uh, PTA stuff. Surely I don't actually have to do the bell mark sticking things on. You know, have you seen about uh-huh. the bell mark thing that we ha- I had on Instagram the other day? Yes. Millions and millions and millions of yen of labor being wasted and sticking bell marks on mm-hmm. paper. Anyway, what else was on that piece of paper that I wrote? Oh, lots of things about, you know, cleaning, cleaning the bathroom, weeding the garden, all these things that, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not really invested in. But when those things are done, it makes me feel so relaxed and happy. Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, my life is better when these things are done. And I don't have to look at a pile of washing. I don't have to look at a dish, um, you know, a sink full of dishes. So I had this list of tasks that Mm -hmm. I no longer want to do. And I said to my husband, Ollie, you know, look, this is, look at this piece of paper, look at all these things. And he's like, "Mm." he's like, well, we could get the kids to do that. Some of those. And I was like, and now all you've done is created another job for me where I have to manage (laughs) some very resistant people to do these jobs. All you've done is just move. It's just created a different kind of stress, which is managing my, you know, my children to do these tasks. And it would be great if they did these tasks without complaining and, you know, without me needing to ask them, but let's be realistic. It's not going to happen as might happen once a week. It's probably not going to happen. So if this, what would you have done in that situation? Like given that that was, that was kind of, it's not where our conversation ended, but I'll say that a conversation ended there. What would you do next if that was you? So I think you did great in terms of gathering data, right? So what you did was you first wrote down your list, right? That's yeah. really great. So some evidence of what, mm-hmm. what the real situation is. Yes. Exactly. The other thing about design thinking that's really important is the co-creation spot. So what you could do is that the, the part that's missing in the problem space is your husband's contribution. So what does he think the issues are? And then together you would have then a shared problem. Because when you come to someone with a problem, they think they'll just solve it for you. Whereas when you invite someone into understanding the problem or creating essentially a map or mapping the problem, then the problem is not only, oh, here's Jane and her list, it's this is what needs to be done in our house. So what we need to do is create maybe a collaboration space for you and your husband to share in the problem space. And then when once you've defined kind of what the issues are, then you can sit down and say, okay, what are some of the solutions? Uh, the kids doing some of these tasks is one idea. That's great. Uh, and then I would come up with 10 other ways. How are, What are the other ways that we would be able to solve this? And then of the 10 ideas, you can talk through each one through their feasibility. And you can say, husband, son, I really love the idea about the kids, but I think in terms of like right now, they're probably about five years off before I can allocate this task to them. So let's kind of have this as more like of a, of a long-term kind of solution because right now that's just going to add to my stress. So is there a way that we can do this that, you know, it doesn't add to my stress? Well, the, well, do we have any other ideas on the board? So that would probably be my, my two things is that I would encourage more input from your husband in the problem space. And then when you are solutioning, accept the, get some of the, get the kids to do, do this as an idea. But when you come together as a team, as a, as, a, as a couple to decide which idea are we then going to implement, I would talk through the feasibility of all the different ideas. There you go. Yes. So I definitely did not invite him into the problem solving space. It was very much, this is my problem. And yeah, I probably could definitely, yeah. well, I definitely could have invited him in more and said, actually, this right. is our problem. Right. It's the Nakata household issues. <laughs> this is the 
issues in the Nakata household. Yeah. What do you see from your side? Did you even know that this is what I was doing? Did you even know? And that was partly why I wrote it all down because I thought probably he doesn't even have any idea of all the things that I do on a day. That's it. And that's, do you have any idea how many times I hear this also in a corporate world? Oh, sales. Is that the reason why you're always late with the data? We didn't know that you actually always had to do these 12 other steps before you sent the data to us. Yes. Oh, IT. <laughs> and you have all these other things that you also have to do. So simply when you, when you invite someone into the problem space, you're developing this kind of empathy for them. You're understanding what's going on with them. They're understanding what's going on with you. And once you kind of have that space for, okay, I'm understanding where you're coming from and you're understanding where I'm coming from, then you can move forward into the solution space better because you're, you're coming from the same lens rather than Jane's lens and Jane's husband's lens. Yeah, exactly. So after you know, I told you, you know, our conversation did continue, right? And mm-hmm. the conversation went along the lines of me saying, I need a housekeeper and my, mm-hmm. and then, and then me calculating, calculating out loud how much that would cost. Mm-hmm. And then saying, Oh, look, it's gomai in a month, I think mm-hmm. for this, mm-hmm. the, the time that I need to spend for someone to come into our house and do these things. Mm-hmm. And I could see like the light switching off <laughs> when I said mm-hmm. gomai in on my husband's side because of the expense, right? He's like, oh, there's gomai in. And then I said, well, you know, look at all the time I'm getting back and how much I charge out my time for these days. There's another mm-hmm. how many jumai in I could potentially earn when mm-hmm. I'm folding the clothes and washing the dishes and, you know, doing them. And then I could sort of see the lights maybe switching back on a little bit. But, yeah, there definitely needs to be more of a, yeah, coming up with ideas together yeah, the yes or no sort of moving forward would have been a better way to do it. I definitely yeah. think because at the end I came out thinking, well, I still don't have him on board for this idea of having a housekeeper. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I'm going to have to like uh, either just do it and say, suck it up and watch. It's going to work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not great. Or, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm going to have to have this conversation again and again and again and yeah, it's obviously hasn't worked. So yes, mm-hmm. I think I'm going to definitely have this conversation again, but I'm going to do it a little bit differently this time, as you suggested. Yeah. Yeah. Probably the, the things that, the two things that I would keep in mind when you iterate on this conversation, and this is even just another thing about design thinking is that it's not like a, like a YOLO approach. Like we do it once and then like, that's it. Like the idea is that we're doing it on a constant basis. So I would look at this dialogue with your husband as a continued dialogue, that it's not, I get a yes or a no regarding the housekeeper. It's you just need to get to a traffic light of the housekeeper. And then the conversation stays alive and dynamic. And, you know, you guys will check in like we do in design thinking, honestly, like we do in projects every fortnight or month, however long you want to kind of like define your cadence and you guys can check in and say, you know, is it working for us? What's working for, is this, has this relieved our problems? Has it not? So I would encourage that when we do, I'd encourage the idea of iteration as in, it's not mm. like we sign off on this and this is it forever. It's, this is, let's try this thing and gather data regarding this idea. And if it doesn't work, we can then adjust accordingly. This is not a life sentence. You know, we're mm. not signing, you know, we don't have to pay social security for this person. You know, this is not, they're not a full-time employee for us. This is a totally different thing. We're simply talking about, let's put this on a trial base. So approaching things in terms of trials and being open for iteration and having what's called an off-ramp does help people get on board. Because when you kind of have this yes-no approach, and this is particularly strong in the Japanese culture, if I if I don't know how to get off it, I'm not going to get on it, no matter how good it sounds, because I don't know. Mm. 
And what I like to say about Japan is that the no in Japan is not N-O, it's K-N-O-W. So when they say, I don't know, what they're saying is, I don't know enough. I don't know enough about what that's going to mean. And maybe what your husband is telling you is, I don't know enough about how this is really going to make a difference. And so when we jump into the next thing, which is he's talking numbers, he's talking money, and you're talking time because you're assuming time is money. He hasn't made that jump yet. So you have to speak numbers and say, okay, Goman is this. And if I don't do that, this is what we're going to lose. So rather than talk, when he talks money, don't talk time. When he talks money, talk money. Mm, Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. And this is going (laughs) to be homework for my husband. (laughs) Listen to this podcast episode and then bring your findings to our meeting on Friday night when we have a beer after work. (laughs) Right. But when you go through the ideas, this is the thing that like when we're, when we're diverging, divergent mindsets and conversations are open, they're listening, they're fun. When your husband, you know, shares an idea, be like, okay, throw it on the board. And this is a thing, anything that like, when it comes to the prop, when you, and this is often kind of what we do often, um, depending on your personality, I want to, I don't want to pigeonhole and say women, but depending on your personality type is that you'll solve the problem. You're, you'll, you'll solve the problem yourself and then you'll come for stakeholder feedback. This doesn't work. This doesn't work in the corporate world. It also doesn't work privately. What you want to do is involve people in what's going on when they have a stake and your husband has a stake in what's going on in your house. Your friend has a stake in your friendship. Your kids have a stake in your relationship, you know? Mm. And so involve them in the process. If your kid is not doing their homework, sit down. This is not just simply your problem. This is our problem. What's going on? You know, Mm. so involve people in the problem space so that they, because if, if you don't, they just think you're going to solve it for them. And that's not it. It's about involving people so that we actually get a better solution. Because if you come up with a, with a solution, that might only temporarily work because maybe your husband has an input that you hadn't considered that actually might really ch- take the conversation in another course. So certainly yeah. design thinking is absolutely relevant also to your personal life as well. And my, my husband is actually, he's actually qualified, certified in design thinking as well. And he will absolutely call me out and say things like you're solutioning right now and you haven't defined the problem yet. And I'm like, oh gosh, you're right. You're right. (laughs) Busted. Yeah. He won't let you get away with that. Right. Oh my gosh. So bad. Funny, funny. Oh dear. So I have one more question. Well, thank you so much for that because I am feeling like I could definitely make some improvements on on that situation for our family based on what you've just said. So thank you very much. I did not expect to get that from our conversation today. (laughs) (laughs) Woo. Another thing I often hear is I don't know what the problem is. Like Uh people, especially when it comes to their life, I don't know what I want to do. I just Mm -hmm. know it's not this. Yes. For example, and a lot of women who, especially, you know, the listeners to this podcast find themselves in Japan. Mm. Maybe they came here like me as an English teacher, fell in love, stayed, you know, Mm -hmm. didn't really understand that they would necessarily be living the rest of their life here. And they're still Mm -hmm. an English teacher. And that's potentially not what they really want to be. And now Mm -hmm. we've come to a a point in the world where you can be anything just about, given Mm -hmm. that things can be done online. You know, you don't have to live in Tokyo anymore. You can live in Mexico and still run your business in Japan, as you've proved, even though you have to get up at three o'clock in the morning, you know? Yeah. What would you say to the people who say, I just don't know. I I know it's Mm -hmm. not what I'm doing. I'm not happy. What? I don't know. I don't know. Well, perfect. putting you on the spot there. Yeah, perfect. (laughs) That's step one, right? That's absolutely step one is knowing that there's an issue. Otherwise, you just kind of keep on fumbling along. So if there's an issue, the first thing that I would do is to reframe the problem 
Two, what do I want to do? Right? What do I want to do? And in order to get to that question, um, in design thinking, we actually use methods and methodologies in order to get there. It's like activities. We have exercises that we do. So for example, it's the same thing that if you were to get in, in a car, like there are some people that have a really great sense of direction and are able to like arrive places without GPS. I use GPS all the time for everything. That doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, that means I can equally arrive at my destination. It just means that I need support along the way. And this is very similar to if you don't know what you want to do, the first things first is to reframe the question, not to, oh, this is so terrible. I don't like it. I don't know what to do. Uh, how do I know what to do? Forget about that. You don't know what, what is, is already the solution space, right? So we need to go, we need to get down to, uh, what is it that I want to do? And the first thing that I would do is write down when I'm really happy, when, when I'm really happy, uh, in as much detail as possible. Are you alone? Are you in a group? Are you outside? Are you inside? Are you using your hands? Are you using your brain? Is it creative? Is it analytical? Whatever. Absolutely everything is in as much detail as possible. Then I want you to write down all the things you hate or the things not hate this hates. I know hates very strong, but what are things that you don't like? Um, are you alone? Are you not alone? Is it analytical? Is it create, is it creative? Is it repetitive? Whatever it is, are you playing, you know, is it, is it the industry, whatever. I want you to write down all the things that you like, all the things that you don't like. And I want you to look at this data. This is not just your opinion anymore. This is data. And I want you to look at this data and I want you to identify patterns. Maybe you, you know, maybe you're happy and you have a look and you recognize that there's a few situations where you're happiest when you're in like a smaller group but you don't necessarily like being alone and you don't necessarily like being in large groups. You like kind of small-ish groups. Okay, perfect. That's one insight. What's something you don't like? Okay, well, you know, you, you said that you didn't like how every Monday you have to do this thing and every Wednesday you have to do this other thing. You know, maybe you don't like kind of like repetitive tasks. Uh, and then maybe you've kind of recognized that, you know, you enjoy when you're creating something new. Oh, okay. Well, look at that. The reason why, you know, I, I like creating new things, which is kind of also lends its hand to why I hate the fact that every Tuesday morning I have to stick these stupid bells on like a piece of paper. Okay, yeah. that's interesting. That's then like an information, that's then data mm. for me. So that's what I would do. And then have a look at what, when you are most happy, when you're least happy, and then try to find things or activities that align with that data. What that ends up being could be something totally different. Maybe it, maybe, you know, you actually, maybe the, there's things about English teaching that you really enjoyed, but maybe the English teacher part you didn't enjoy so much. Maybe, let's say you enjoyed like the, the kids thing, you know, maybe you actually are interested in like social work or something in pedagogy or working with children, um, but you don't like kind of like the English side of things because maybe English isn't your thing. Maybe you really enjoy you know, seeing kids have their best lives, or maybe you are a, like a salesperson who, you know, was kind of like overwhelmed with the data of always having to like, you know, do numbers and percentages, but you enjoyed people. Well, maybe, maybe marketing is more for you than the sales, or maybe you're in marketing, but you're obsessed with like SEO and you want to do more analytical. Well, maybe, you know, maybe get a little more into the, to, to data science than in marketing. So try to you use your emotions as data, take this data, apply insights, and from the insights, make good decisions.
Mm. Yeah, I like that word insights. This is the word that I've just sort of come to know a little bit more recently. It's not answers, right? It's just Mm -hmm. hints or clues or something that leads you towards an answer. Because I think often people are like, I want the answer. What is my dream job going to be? A doctor, a lawyer, uh, you know, something very concrete and obvious. And maybe it's not. It's a marketer who does SEO. Mm -hmm for children's brands like, like exactly that's, how, that's where you would your joy is, is that like mm-hmm. narrow down and yeah so that word insight is really an interesting word I've found recently so remember that everyone insight you're looking for insights clues and hints about about yourself that can lead mm-hmm. you towards a path that you haven't walked yet it's not it's not that you're lost and you're not on the right path so you haven't walked your path yet that mm-hmm. you are going to create for your life whatever that might be so yeah, you're not exactly. too late because you're always right on time for these things. It turns out in the end, you don't know it till later often. It's always right on time. You're always in the right place, but you're getting those insights and versus answers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's it. Mm, I love it. Woo. Yeah. Well, I would love to hear from any listeners who have listened to Brittany and have applied to this to their lives, even in a small way. Maybe it's just, mm-hmm. you know, something to do with getting your kids' bentos done in the morning. I don't, you know, whatever. It can be something tiny, but even these tiny wins, a huge. Yeah. I think if, if anyone's going to try one thing, I would do the divergent convergent self-talk before you jump in and tell yourself the 10 reasons why it's not going to happen. Give yourself a minute to think about what, if it did happen, what, if it could happen. And then instead of just saying, Oh, it's not going to happen, write down the data that says it's not, is it time? Is it money? Is it skill? Is it network? Write down the actual thing that is preventing you from doing it. And then look at that actual data and see if there's a way around it instead of no. Yeah. I think that trips everyone up, doesn't it? Just flat out no, with no data as to how much is this actually going to cost? How much of this time of my time is this actually going to need? Are my children actually skilled enough to use a frying pan? Oh, they are. (laughs) You know, (laughs) we're about to find out. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. I love it. I love it. I love it. Not just flat out. No, straight away, which we (laughs) always, yeah, we do a lot. That's for sure. Wow. Brittany, you have given us so much gold today. I love it all. And I really hope that uh, the listeners, and I know a lot of them are in Japan, but not all of them. We have listeners all over the world will take this design thinking into their lives. Maybe they'll take it to their jobs. Maybe they'll take it to their private lives their careers, finding more joy in their lives, whatever it is. And yeah, have some positive changes happening. That would be awesome, wouldn't that, from this conversation that we've had today. Absolutely. So is there anything you would like to say before we sign off? I would just love to say thank you for for the, the invitation. It's been an absolute uh, pleasure here being with you. And I would just say that, you know, let's, let's con- continue the conversation. And I think this is really such an exciting opportunity to for for people to see you know just how do do, do use different ways of thinking to to solve their problems often we think about that we we would never get in a car without you know lessons we would we would you know like you just said with your kids in the frying pan you would never just put your kid there okay go ahead and use the frying pan but often that's actually how we how we make decisions we haven't trained ourselves in a in a step by step process in how to make decisions so i would just say just take take a, a minute to know that you you're enough as a person you're enough as a person 
that this kind of human-centered design is ma is made so we can live more fulfilling kind of human lives and make sure that when you're designing your life that you are the user you you should be at the center of the life that you want to live uh, and if there's any if anyone would like to to talk more about this then they can always uh, reach out to me and be happy to talk more about it I'm, as I said Jen to you before uh, before we started recording this is my absolute broken record topic that I can I just <laughs> can never talk about it enough <laughs> Yeah. So where can people find Brittany if they want to just, even if they just want to hang with Brittany or maybe they want to talk business with Brittany, where's the best place to find you? Uh, if you want to talk business with me, the best place is LinkedIn. So if you search me Brittany Arthur on LinkedIn, uh, that's what you'll be able to find me or, or a business karaoke uh, with Brittany Arthur. They're, that's my absolute where I'm for, in business. If you want to see all the behind the scenes action, everything from me rollerblading to uh, me editing uh, my business karaoke podcast, then uh, the best place for that is an Instagram, which is underscore uh, at underscore Brittany Arthur. So on that note, everyone, I hope that this is not the end, uh, that this is not sayonara, but this is actually the beginning of a new conversation. So thank you, Jane. And thank you to everyone listening to Transformations with Jane. Thank you, Brittany. And yes, we'd love to have you back in, in a year or so's time and see what's happened. Are you in Japan oh my again? Gosh. Imagine, <laughs> imagine if we do this face-to-face -face and we play this as like a, as like a yeah, playback. Exactly. I'd love to check in. Oh, that, would be, well. that <laughs> would be my dream. That would be my dream, Jane. Oh, well, let's give, give us, give our future selves something to talk about, eh? <laughs> you bet. All right, Jane. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you, Brittany. Bye. Thanks again. Bye. So that was the interview with Brittany. I hope you enjoyed that. I got a lot out of it and it was really great to hear her perspective on my my home situation, because I was feeling a bit self-righteous about it. You know, oh, look at all these things that I do and nobody understands me and nobody helps me. <laughs> but actually what I, I've realized I need to do is to get everybody onto the same page with me, to get everybody to buy into this as a problem or this as an issue that we need to solve as a family and move forward from there rather than just saying, this is what I'm doing and this is how it's going to happen. And, you know, there are times when you just have to do that too, I feel, just to get things happening. But perhaps this is not one of those times. So I will get back to you on how this project is going. I'm going to, maybe I should call it like project housekeeper or something <laughs> or project Mrs. Doubtfire or project my own Mrs. Doubtfire or something like that. Uh, somehow that my family is going to work around how we transition, how we all transition from me as a mostly stay-at-home parent to me as a working parent, even though I work from home 90% of the time. I'm actually very busy with my work and I need to be able to focus on that for periods of time to get the best work I can done and to be able to focus when I need to focus and to be able to you know, meet deadlines that my clients and I have agreed to, that sort of thing. So this is, yeah, this is a new chapter in our family's life, one we haven't had yet. So it's going to be something that yeah, as Brittany says, it needs to be a work in progress. It's a continuing conversation rather than we're going to solve it this weekend and then everything's going to be hunky-dory, as we say. Everything's going to be fine. It's probably not going to be like that. So that is another great insight that I took away from that is that this is going to be an ongoing process. We're not going to get the answer. We're going to get some options and work with those. So if you enjoyed this episode, I would love it if you would give Brittany a shout out over on Instagram. She's uh, Brittany Arthur on Instagram. I think it's underscore Brittany Arthur, she said. 
and say say hi, say that you heard her on the Transformations with Jane podcast. Have a listen to the Business Karaoke podcast. Some really fascinating topics that she deals with that you may not encounter in your daily life. Also, please rate and review the Transformations with Jane podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to listen to your podcast. It's muchly appreciated. So thank you so much. We'll see you again in two weeks now that we're back to our regular post-summer scheduling. And I hope that you have a wonderful week. See you next time. Bye-bye.